All right, we're live. All right, welcome back to Talk with Army, and this is your guys' favorite segment, Army Anonymous. Uh, I messed that up, didn't I? Army <laughs> Anonymous. It sounds, it's kind of like Finding Nemo. Uh, it's like, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. <laughs> Army Anonymous. <laughs> and just in case you don't know, I'm Delilah and... And Daisy. And, yep, that's us. Um, so if it's your first time, welcome. We are going to just answer your submissions that you have given us this time and don't worry if you missed it because once again if you follow us on twitter we will always let you guys know when the submission form is back open so just keep an eye out for that all right then without further ado let's get into these submissions so the first section as always is going to be the general section um so the first submission in the general section here is why is Jungkook all of a sudden showing off his sleeve tattoos after hiding them for so long? And this is from the USA. Um, I think it is because it's hot boy summer and <laughs> he's just confident. He's ready to show off his tattoos. I mean, I think before, obviously, since like when he first got the tattoos, like it was kind of like a, you know, shock horror thing, especially with the way that people found out because, you know, that whole like scandal with the tattoo shop thing so like i didn't blame him for really saying anything because like that whole thing was messy um for anyone who doesn't know basically um he got um tattoos uh i think it was in the middle of their was it in the middle of their vacation their month vacation um pretty sure yeah something like that he got tattoos around that time and because he was on vacation nobody was really supposed to know where he is or what he was doing because obviously big hit had um told everyone to respect BTS's personal space and not to really like follow them because they're not on schedule um but somehow um somebody leaked like cctv footage of him like in a tattoo shop and so like people were like oh my gosh like he's getting tattoos and whatever and you know just that whole scandal was messy um so yeah after that um he didn't really show much of his tattoos at first, um, especially because like I think they have some type of restriction on that, like for like a, like broadcasts. So like when they go on like music shows or whatever, I don't think he's like allowed to show his tattoos. Or if it's gonna be like broadcasted on like some type of like public television network, I don't think he can show them either. Because that's also why they kind of like censored it out for um, I believe it was Bon Voyage Four, because they did Bon Voyage Four right after mm-hmm. they came back from holiday. And technically, he wasn't really hiding his tattoos because he was wearing like short sleeve t shirts. Like, he yeah, wasn't really like trying to hide like the fact that he had tattoos. He just like wasn't really talking about them, which is very hot of him. He does not have to tell his life story about his tattoos. Like, boom, they're just there, you know? Um, I think also, Chunkook really is someone that thinks, oh, cares a lot about what armies think. I mean, when he was younger, um, there was an army that said they didn't like his piercings, and he stopped wearing his gauges. Um, and right. so, yeah, so he's very sensitive to what armies think. So I think seeing armies be supportive, like that one V-Life comment that said his tattoos were beautiful and he smiled. Like, I just think um, he's more confident in himself and he feels 
you know, he feels very supported and that people support this confidence coming from him. And so, of course, he's going to, um, you know, be more open to wearing even shorter sleeves. So, yeah, I, I really don't think it was an aspect of, oh, he was trying so hard to hide them. And now, all of a sudden, he's just really open. I think it's A, um, he's feeling a bit more confident about it. And B... Once again, it's summer. He got those tattoos in what, maybe October? It was fall, winter time, so of course he's going to be wearing more long sleeves a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, so next submission, they say, um, scared of saying something even if it's not offensive, just an opinion and being attacked for it. Never saying what I truly think just in case someone doesn't like me and starts attacking me. And this is from Spain. Yeah, I mean, we all have that fear. I mean, that's the whole reason why we created this whole segment of Army Anonymous. You know, there are so many people who, even if they really say nothing wrong, like they still somehow get like jumped unnecessarily on Twitter. And it's not fair. Yeah, I, I mean, Daisy pretty much already said it. That's the whole reason this segment exists. And there's also a lot of people that just can't read like i'm sorry people need to go back and do their phonics you know that little program you did in like elementary school or something because, <laughs> not phonics <laughs> because the reading comprehension on twitter is below the mariana's trench okay i i think about that tweet all that all the time that um says like twitter is the only place where you can state something so clearly and still be misconstrued and then the example is um i like pancakes oh so you hate waffles like no that's a whole new sentence (laughs) so so yeah it's totally valid to you know be afraid to be attacked for having an opinion especially because it can be so easy if you're a smaller account and all it takes is like one account with just a bigger following to quote tweet you and suddenly everyone uh can't think for themselves and it's just dogpiling you right um and of course it's not going to happen to everyone and you it's not a healthy way to constantly live your Twitter experience and fear that you are always going to be attacked, but it is still uh, a valid way to, a, a valid way to feel. And so my advice is if you want to tweet something and you're like, uh, I'm kind of scared what people are going to react, I mean, write the tweet and then save it as a draft. Use your drafts kind of as like a little diary so that way you're still typing it out and you're getting your feelings out. Um, but you're not actually sending it into the world where it can be, you know, read and perceived and picked apart by others. Yeah, um, actually, that's really funny you mentioned that because for my classes, because for all who don't know, I'm currently studying an organizational behavior course, and I took some negotiation classes last month, and by last month I mean July, um, and my negotiation teacher did say that, like, for example, like, if you read something or somebody says something to you that's upsetting and you want to, like, address that, 
um, but you're not in like the right state of mind like if you're really emotional then like something that you could do is like write an email like and you know let out all your feelings in that email but then don't send it just leave it as a draft and then like you can have that satisfaction of the emotional release but then at the same time you're not sending the strongly worded email and then you're gonna have to deal with the consequences later so like that's like a perfect way to just like let go of like emotions i know like i have a lot of drafts that i'm not gonna send uh you know there are so many people yep, who same. do that as well so yeah so definitely recommend it if you're upset or if you have an opinion that you're not sure how it's going to be perceived just type it out and leave it in the drafts and then yeah i'm going through my drafts right now and i'm like when did i even write this <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah like you you'll realize every once in a while you'll open your drafts and there will be drafts from like a year ago and you're like i don't even know what the topic was at this point because this is some vague no details at all but yeah that's our advice i'm going through my drafts as well and um uh some of these are just dreams that i never tweeted about because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. the thing is for me if you have been following me for um a long enough time maybe for like around a year or so maybe even more than that something i used to do a lot was just like tweet the dreams that i would have because it was a way to keep track of them and also the more i recall dreams the better i remember them so like twitter kind of just became my personal dream journal for a little bit and so i guess these some of these tweets are just like dreams that i never got around to actually tweeting like i have one here that says that i have a dream from last night that involved like cave exploring but we found like some runes and wild creatures there's another dream here that says what is this this is i said that i had a dream where i was the queen of some land and my husband and i were exiled because we were thrown into bankruptcy after trying to help my son with this illness so my evil brother took the throne but then we got enough money and we overthrew him can you imagine what's going on in my dream world i i don't i, I don't know listen guys daisy has the most wild dreams especially when bts is involved um they get pretty crazy and and i and when i say crazy i don't mean oh she's having like some you know sensual sexy times mysterious like mafia gang au your name thick type of dreams no it's uh jimin like roundhouse kicking her on the face for like no reason like (laughs) daisy's dreams are so funny and that was not hyperbole that Delilah just used. That was an actual dream that happened where basically, for some reason, I was with Jimin. I don't know why, but we were at my aunt's house and I guess I'm going to, like, I don't know, put my bag or something somewhere. And she tried to take my stuff. So then Jimin uh, apparently is a daisy shooter because this man, deadass, roundhouse kicked my aunt in the face and... I, I just don't know where that dream came from. So <laughs> that is an insight into how weird and nonsensical my dreams can be. So for all who are watching, I, I mean, for all who are listening, I hope you enjoyed that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, next submission, they say, the lives and parasocial relationships with our faves, sad face. This is from the USA. And this, this comes up a lot. Um, parasocial relationships and, you know v lives and creating that intimate setting with your fan base and if that is an unhealthy thing for fans and celebrities to have to be honest it depends right 
Um, I think that there's nothing wrong with wanting to connect with fans and market yourself as relatable and just want to, you know, share your experiences with your fans. I think the line can be crossed, especially when you have, you know, SM out here selling their idol's hair or something, (laughs) but the, I, I'm having a great time is all I'm gonna say. Um, I will turn on a V-Live that, from like, months ago, watch it, smile, um, I'm having a great time in this one-sided relationship, so, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, like, as we have said, you know, pretty frequently, you know, there's nothing inherently good or bad about parasocial relationships, depending on, you know, the context of the situation, I mean, things can be positive or negative, um, having a parasocial relationship with, like, not even just artists but just other things is not bad um it's only when it starts to become you know you know basically just when it starts to cross the line um as delilah just said so you know for example i mean i don't know how it could necessarily cross the line in a v life per se maybe asking them to do something or maybe because they're in such a personal setting like fans just i don't know ask them weird questions which Um, they do we've seen it we've seen it (laughs) Um, yeah, there have definitely been some weird, weird questions. questions. Oh my gosh, that reminds me. I don't know if you guys have seen TXT's recent comeback music video, okay? But there's this scene where one of the members, Bongyu, is doing like this live stream. It's like a Facebook live stream. And one of the comments, okay, so they have like a fake comment section going. And one of the comments <laughs> says, speak English, please. And it's like PLZ. <laughs> I'm no. just like they know guys they know they do see your whack comments so let's be respectful please because your artists that you watch on V Live they see it <laughs> yes PLZ and thank you next submission um they say can you provide um can you guys provide some tips on how to deal with jealousy issues as a K-pop fan thank you and this is from the USA in terms of jealousy issues as a K-pop fan, I guess it means like maybe maybe like from a multi-fandom perspective where it's like how do I not get jealous of like my faves who are on top and then my other faves who are not doing as great kind of thing. I don't maybe know. It could it. be it could be a variety of things. It could be jealousy as in um, maybe you feel possessive over whoever your bias and when someone else also has that bias, you feel I don't know jealous or. You know, something like that. I feel like the question is a little bit vague, so it can be applied to a lot of different scenarios. But I think regardless of what the scenario is, I think a really easy tip to deal with jealousy issues is to just take a step back. Um, Mm. You know, you're probably a little bit too consumed by um whatever content you're interacting with maybe just need to take a step back um find another hobby to distract yourself with and just understand that you know it's you shouldn't be feeling jealous because you don't own anything like jealousy 
is a feeling that comes about when you have something and you're scared of losing that something to something else. I know, I said Mm. the word something a lot, but I hope that (laughs) made sense. And so it's up to you to understand, A, what is it that you're afraid to lose exactly? B, who is it that you are jealous of? And C, is it possible that whatever you are being jealous of is nonsensical and you realize or don't realize that so considering the fact that you do realize that because you're here asking us for advice right so you that's already step one so i think the next step is to just pick exactly what it is that you're jealous of and what makes you jealous and then distance yourself from that yeah, I think you summed that up pretty well. So, um, uh, yeah, if you needed that advice or if anyone else listening needed that advice, um, feel free to use it. Because um, a lot of times when it comes to jealousy, like, mo- more often than not, you're going to end up needing to, like, take a step back, normally from social media. So that could be a possibility. But uh, next submission, this says, Do you guys think marketing idols as relatable slash fostering parasocial relationships can contribute to crazy fan encounters? And this is from the USA. See, the thing about parasocial relationships in terms of like marketing idols as relatable, um, while I do think it is important for idols to be seen as just regular human beings like the rest of us, um, I also do think that sometimes that there can be instances of fans who see them i guess a bit too like they think they know them too well and that usually ends up giving birth to things like for example mantis or solos but i feel like that's not necessarily like the fault of the idol or maybe the company because there's nothing wrong with wanting to humanize your artists yeah Um, i feel like it's just more of a byproduct rather than like oh it's their fault for the marketing because if that was the problem and the marketing and marketing that idol as like um relatable um is the issue then i guess in like the i guess the solution to that would kind of just be to do the opposite but then that would end up dehumanizing them and making them unrelatable is also not really that good so Mm -hmm. yeah that's my take on it i think it's also a really hard question to answer because there's a lot of aspects um when you're consuming k-pop content that isn't a k-pop thing there's a lot of things that are specifically korean as in they are culturally ingrained Uh, for example like in the u.s yeah we have like rabid fans and we have crazy fans but saucing culture is something that i think is very unique to korea and china because Hmm. i mean i have never ever heard of a celebrity in the u.s their fans you know getting a job at an airline or a cell phone company and then selling information of celebrities to other fans like that i've never heard of a case like that once in the u.s but it seems to be common in you know south korea and china and i'm not knowledgeable enough to explain that phenomenon i don't know why that seems to be so present and you know there's a lot of things like that that i can't explain i don't know why 
Um, medicine culture in South Korea is, you know, so toxic. I don't know the history. I don't know the sociological um, building blocks of that cultural phenomenon. So I just think that, you know, we have to be careful and not boil everything down to, oh, this is just like some K-pop issue. Because a lot of the times there's actually culture and you know, things about where that K-pop, you know, company or the idols are specifically from that kind of impacts how we consume media and how we view media. So it's kind of, you know, it's a very difficult question because I think it goes a little bit deeper than just, oh, parasocial relationships. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yes. For sure. So when it comes to, like, oh, can it contribute to crazy fan encounters, I mean, maybe, but I feel like that is not enough to, like, if we stopped marketing idols as relatable, um, if you feel they're marketed that way, I don't know, marketed seems kind of like it's a bad thing, I don't know, but um, let's say we stopped marketing idols as relatable, we stopped marketing them as, like, our friends and whatnot. Would that stop saucing culture? I don't think so. Oh, that's true. You're absolutely right. Because when it comes to saucing culture, whether the idols seem just like us or not, you know, that's not going to stop people from stalking them, not going to stop people from selling their information, not going to stop people from... Ugh, lightning just flashed across my sky. I swear on my life. If I get another loud-ass thunderclap <laughs> in a recording again, I'm turning this recording off, period. <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, when it comes to how idols are marketed, um, you know, the marketing isn't really going to change the assassin culture. I feel like it's just way too ingrained um, mm-hmm. to, you know, for it to just dissipate when you start marketing idols a different way. So, yeah, when it comes to that, I feel like, yes, I feel like, you know, there's definitely a lot of um, things like, um, you know, things like Sasa and Culture or just like other types of crazy fan encounters or solos or things like that. But, you know, marketing them a different way won't really change much. Yeah, and so... The next submission, this says, Armies are still not understanding how multis in the title K-pop is like a rust. It will destroy the fandom from within if you let it be. And this is from Japan. It really depends um, because, you know, just being a multi is not a bad thing. Um, Obviously, the fact that Delilah is even here co-hosting this podcast with me shows that, like, people who just stand one group and people who are multi-fandom can coexist it is possible guys we have proved it and um in terms of k-pop the stereotypes of k-pop definitely make it hard um to shake off um the way that people see groups like bts so i definitely do agree that um you know sometimes the k-pop label can be very irritating um but it's not necessarily something that we can just get rid of because we can't really you know, say that BTS isn't fully K-pop. I mean, the con- the conversation is a lot more complex than that. It's not black and white. So, I don't know. When it comes to the title of K-pop, while it's not necessarily wrong to call BTS a K-pop group, I do think that sometimes because of the negative stereotypes that people have about K-pop, it just makes it difficult for BTS to progress in the Western music industry because people just will always see them a certain way. And I'm pretty sure we've talked about this like yeah. in terms of like the label of K-pop. I think it might have been episode 10 or something. It 
was yeah i just checked um if you want more in-depth discussion about that episode 10 we discuss what even is k-pop and i believe it was episode 22 where we discuss what is bts pop so go there as a reference point i guess i i, I like to i feel like we use um, our previous episodes kind of like uh, like a footnote <laughs> like a little footnote it's like source this episode um, but yeah I know as two psychology majors like all of our previous episodes are simply just APA citations <laughs> anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> the next um. submission says um, they say recently there's an interview for the butter promotions in India the interview was well executed and the boys appeared relaxed and happy the questions were unique and incredibly insightful too. The interviewer received a lot of attention and was thanked by ARMY. After a few days, this interviewer claims to be an ARMY and was well received by the fandom, but starts using us for clout. Uh, quote unquote, G Cook told me something, but oops, I can't tell you guys. First, she says that, and now she uses a vulnerable and emotional moment from the 2018 Mama speech of the Tannies as a meme. She's also using armies to promote her work as a journalist. It's basic manners not to use someone's vulnerable moments as a freaking reaction meme, but here we are witnessing her use it not once, but five times after armies warned her to stop. Now armies are defending her, saying she wasn't the only one to use it and that all armies use it. It has gone to an extent where they make fan accounts for her, saying that she's pretty or that Tay likes her. I'm really concerned about armies supporting her in this because it isn't even the first time she's done some questionable things, and because we should educate the fandom about not using certain clips or pictures like these and uh, as memes. Also, for the context about Tay liking her, please watch the interview. Love the podcast. Keep going. Can't wait for more. And this is from India. First of all, thank you for that. Um, also, we're glad love, that you like the... Lo- love the smiley face at the end, too. <laughs> thank you. Oh, yes, the smiley face at the end. Thank you for that. And in terms of this uh, interview, um, I know exactly which one this is. Um, yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that interviewer, they uh, she sparked a lot of attention online because, you know, she was very pretty and, you know, she was well-mannered. She treated the boys very nicely and there were really great questions that she asked. Um, I wasn't really looking at her past the interview, so I didn't even know that, like, this kind of stuff happened. Except for the G-Cook thing. I actually do remember the G-Cook thing, but I was just kind of, like, I just kind of rolled my eyes and ignored it because I'm like, why am I, well, like, what am I doing giving her clout, you know? But, um, in terms of, like, using, you know, reaction memes of, like, BTS at the MMAs when they're, like, crying and stuff, like, you know, some people may not understand, but, like, we'll say it here, like, do not use vulnerable moments of BTS as reaction memes it's very insensitive um there are plenty of memes of them fake crying that you can use please do not use the ones where they're actually crying because of something that they're going through it's just not cool so the fact that she used it like five times after armies warned her to stop that's really not cool for her at all and also the fact that people are kind of defending her saying that like oh other armies are using it like just because other armies are using it that doesn't mean you need to those armies are also in the wrong right um I don't understand why people try to use that as like a clapback as if that makes any sense because it's like if somebody said that two plus two equals five and you know 20 people agreed with them does that suddenly make two plus two equals five no it means that like 21 people have the same stupid answer (laughs) right exactly uh now on the flip side is there an issue within the fandom of whenever a pretty girl interacts with bts we suddenly have to stalk her and know everything about her and like people for some reason always have to do like a deep dive into who's ever interviewing bts like yes that is a problem 
and don't say it's yeah. not because it is. However, it is. however, does that also mean um, a pretty girl that interviews BTS can't be problematic? No. So, like, mm. yeah, I think um, that just because, you know, there is this really pretty girl that treated BTS nicely um, and was a good interviewer doesn't absolve her of doing things in poor taste, such as using BTS's vulnerable moments, using armies for clout, using BTS to uh, further her journalistic career. So, that's all my two cents, I will add onto that. Also, making whole fan accounts where that's so weird. Like, Who does it, it, that? It, it She's runs a in, journalist. Yeah, She's it, a, imagine if someone um, made a fan account for Jeff Benjamin. No, not Jeff <laughs> Benjamin. Not after what he tweeted last night. Listen. Oh my god, I don't know if you guys night, saw that. Because oh. today, is, today is August 25th. Last night, when it was announced that um, Megan Thee Stallion was going to be on the Butter Remix, then suddenly he just tweets out of nowhere, smooth like cocoa butter. Tell me why that was necessary. As a white man, why was that necessary for him to tweet? And then he deleted it after like an hour, but it's like, no, we caught you 4K. We caught you 4K. Like, how was that okay to tweet? Um, and like, guys, if like, that was just what it said. Quote, smooth like cocoa butter, end quote. Um, and just let that sink in, um, and how disgusting that is to come out of this middle-aged white man's mouth, um, Right, and even if it was, like, because even if it was, like, the lyrics, like, let's say that those were Megan's lyrics, okay, right? Um, even if they were, like, why would you tweet those specific ones knowing fully well that armies are not going to understand, that it could possibly be just unreleased lyrics because it's like you are a white person you didn't think about how that would come off because regardless of whether um you know they were lyrics or not like why are you tweeting that come on why are you tweeting that mm -hmm. and you know there's there's a lot of uh implications about that tweet we could go into but i'm not gonna give that man um time of day so let's just move on <laughs> actually one more thing i want to address before we move on to the next submission because they'd also talked about how they're making fan accounts for saying that she's pretty or and that tay likes her um i don't know if they necessarily meant like tay likes her in a romantic way but if they do i really hate the amount of heteronormativity that people shove onto the boys whenever they're around a pretty girl i'm sorry yeah um it's it's really weird oh there's a pretty girl bts can't control themselves around said pretty girl that's the that's the vibes i get from everyone suddenly making like fan fictions of them <laughs> i'm not saying that's happening you know maybe it is there's like 30 million armies it's a possibility um if i had the ability i would hack into wattpad and delete it um but yeah <laughs> let's 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 not just just let them exist in peace thank you anyway next submission they say how well is weverse uh, how well known is weverse among the regular pop fandom crowd billboard recently started using weverse magazine for their articles and there was that whack thread about how weverse is the ultimate fan control machine by that random dude but so far, there aren't that many Western artists on the platform, and those who are don't seem to have uh, don't seem to be noticeably active. Uh, quote, and they said red as beefing fandoms of, of their own. 
um Oh, they're basically saying that, like, none of the people who are Western on the Weavers platform basically, like, have, like, noticeably active fandoms. But anyway, on the other hand, I want Weavers magazine to get more attention because it's great. But on the other hand, um, if Weavers itself as a platform gets more well-known artists with massive eager-to-be fandoms join, um, I'm worried that the beefing among fandoms will transfer over to Weavers as well. It's not that we don't already have that with various K-pop fandoms going undercover and other artists' spaces and starting stuff, but I'm worried that it might get to the point where it can't be moderated as well as it is now. Maybe they even have to add a security question similar to what Fan Cafe had. What do you think about this? And this is from Austria. Well, I'll start by answering the first part. Say, Weavers Magazine actually really isn't that well-known either. I'm actually shocked. I was so shocked when Billboard started using the Weavers articles because, listen, Billboard is basically, like, copying the Weavers articles and then, like, changing some words and somehow still completely misconstruing um, I know. said. So, like, I'm really sick. Um, it actually pisses me off immensely whenever Billboard just basically copies a Weavers article because... I'd rather just read the Weavers article. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and about, you know, fandoms beefing and stuff. I mean, Blackpink just joined, and I feel like everyone, I mean, everyone was laughing over the technical glitch of us receiving um, Blackpink's updates, even though we weren't in the server. But honestly, I think people are kind of like jumping the gun and feeling a little bit too nervous. It really does seem like. People just stay in their Weaver spaces for the most part. Um, and I, I don't know, I know that Weavers is slowly trying to get, you know, bigger and bigger. And I believe in that. And I believe in its potential. But Weavers currently, it's really not as big as people think it is. Um, I was on the K-pop subreddit a few weeks ago and someone was like why are we um posting like they didn't understand that like weavers magazine was like written by like legit journalists like at the end of every weavers magazine it has a korean author listed as the writer like you can see who wrote it so Mm. um i feel like even within the k-pop community weavers magazine isn't really fully understood so um, I feel like we can still relax a bit just for now. Yeah, um, because if we went through all that with, like, the whole joining of Blackpink and, like, nothing serious has really happened with Blinks, I think that maybe people are just, um, you know, worried. I mean, understandably so, but also realize that, like, it's been a few weeks since Blackpink joined Weverse and, like, nothing has really happened. So I feel like that is a good sign considering the fact that, like, Blinks are kind of, like, a fandom that, you know, armies are kind of currently beefing with the most, if I were to say, any particular fandom. So, yeah, um, you know, what happens, happens. I don't necessarily think there needs to be any type of uh, fan cafe questions that people need to answer, especially the fan cafe questions are, like, so hard. I really don't think, okay, when we say, oh, fan cafe questions were hard, I mean, it's like SAT, one-hour exam, level difficulty um you guys if you were here for festa this this past festa in june uh they did a little army quiz about bts for armies 
and everyone sucked at it, right? Everyone was like, what the <laughs> heck? Like, half of us failed, okay? And fan cafe questions were like those, but twice the crack infused. Like, it, it was ridiculous. In fact, I even have examples of fan cafe questions and um i want to see if you guys can answer this so it says find out what date was bts rookie king channel's first episode aired so get the number of the month number of the date number of the time then what is the value of all of those numbers put together and what is the stage name of the member who will have his birthday on Tuesday this year? And what is the title of the song that was sung by him on June 14th, 2017, Best Up? All of that was just one question. Um, another example of um, a really difficult question is on the Wings album, thanks to J-Hope said, blank to mickey write the proper sentence of it and basically they did an acronym so it's like a hangul acronym so it, it basically has all the first consonants so it's like mm, k, tss, k, mm, t, k, again um yeah i know my hangul guys okay <laughs> um we and so it. I, so it gave you those consonants those first syllables and that you need to go to the wings album so open up your physical wings album find Assuming the thanks if you even to have one. if you even have one go to the thanks section and write the exact sentence hobie wrote for mickey so imagine being the most diehard bts fan but you just happen to not own the wings album like, a lot of these questions, um, like, even the most super fans, like, the most diehard armies, could not level up in Fan Cafe. And to level up in Fan you would have to level up in Fan Cafe to even see the boys, like, messages. And then you'd have to level right. up again to leave your own messages. So, it's kind of a mess. And I know people say, oh, well, they could just make the questions not that hard for Weavers. I don't trust big hit staff i'm sorry no nope. we just got that festa questionnaire a few months ago none of us are seeing the boys weavers um post <laughs> uh say goodbye to june's gym selfies because if we are getting security questions bye bye you're never seeing it again <laughs> bro if we had to get security questions like forget like their weavers posts i wouldn't even be able to see run bts and that's for free exactly. like that's how badly i would fail um, what's this question? What is the title of the wing solo track of the member who wore the RJ costume on Run BTS episode 43? Oh, that is actually First Love because I remember it was Yungi in the RJ costume. Um, I don't know if it's exactly episode 43, but the only episode I remember anyone in an RJ costume, I remember Yungi being in it, and his solo track was First Love on wings so one security question um i have completed for you guys you're welcome <laughs> one out of like the 15 other ones one out of the 15 oh my god yeah you guys aren't passing this 
you guys aren't passing. We aren't passing. Daisy and I are not passing. So. <laughs> no. Basically, let's just write out Weverse how it is. Let's just kind of just ride along with it and see how it goes. Let's let's not panic. Exactly. So the next submission says. Uh, the normalization of death threats, the impact of sending slash receiving or even just seeing them used so casually on Stan Twitter. And this is from India. I agree. I don't like how normalized it is to tell people to die on Twitter. It's it's so weird how um, people are just so thoughtless. And like, this is not even just like a Twitter thing. This has been an issue since like the beginning of social media and the internet Mm -hmm. yeah it's not necessarily like stan twitter exclusive although it has been pretty exacerbated on here but things like sending death threats it's nothing new but i definitely feel like people are a lot more desensitized to it nowadays and it's a problem because like that's like really serious like you know you don't know what the other person like you're sending that to is going through so like if you tell somebody to like kill themselves like some people might be in like such a poor state of mind that they would actually do it and you know a lot of people will not realize the detriment that their words have had to somebody until that person is gone and they're like oh well i didn't want them to actually do it but it's like okay but then why'd you send the threat why'd you tell them to kill yourself Mm -hmm. Also, I don't know about other countries, but I'm pretty sure in the U.S., a lot of states, like, if you tell someone to kill themselves, and they do, you can actually um, go to court for it. Oh, yeah. In America, yeah, that's definitely possible. I don't know about other places, but here in America, if there is evidence of you telling somebody to kill themselves and they actually kill themselves, you actually get into serious trouble for that. So that's why um, I definitely feel like people... Um, I mean, like, aside from just being a decent human being, like, if you don't want to go to court, like, don't be stupid, okay? Just don't. Yeah. Um, next submission. They say, how do armies make friends through Twitter? This is a cute question. This is a very cute question, and, um, you just gotta interact, um, comment a lot under people's posts uh follow people obviously of course but see if there's any new group chats going about and be added into them and about group chats um this is the greatest piece of advice i can give to keep a group chat going if you want a group chat to stay active you have to talk about things other than what the group chat was originally designed to talk about. In order to actually form friendships with people, um, you can't just talk about what BTS did today. You have to talk about what you did today, how are your classes going, how's your pet doing, um, oh, I started this TV show on Netflix, have you guys seen it? Like, you have to talk, like, when you have friends in real life, you're not just discussing one topic every single day. Like, that's right. that's ridiculous, right? That would just never happen. Mm. Um, and so, even though you are in an online presence and you were brought together by BTS and ARMY, you can't stay, 
you can't stay friends with someone by only talking about that sole interest. And I have been in a variety of group chats for a variety of different things. And the ones that stay active are always the ones that are having multiple conversations about different topics. Right. Because, I mean, the group chat that we're on um, is the one that I started way back in the beginning of, like, 2019. Originally, it was meant to be, like, a psychology-based group chat because I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm looking for, you know, some psychology moods. If you want to be in a group chat, leave a purple heart in the replies and, you know, I'll add you in. And, you know, we did, you know, originally start talking about some stuff that was psychology-related after we all introduced ourselves. But, like, we started moving on to other topics. You know, we started talking about ourselves a lot more. We started talking about what we were doing on the like during the day we started talking about you know just like you know a lot of different anecdotes about our lives and you know it just got to the point where like we became very very good friends and i don't think that we would have really had that connection if we like forced ourselves to continue talking about like one topic every day yeah um so that's the best advice we can give comment a lot reply a lot to people's posts um don't be afraid to you know, send DMs to people, which, I mean, it's a bit critical of me because I ne- I never really DM people, but also considering <laughs> I've already solidified my group chats and friend group on Twitter, I haven't felt that need to do that in, like, over a year. But if you're someone who's just starting out, um, maybe that would be a good thing to take that extra step to DM someone or say, hey, I want to make a new group chat. Um, and... Just keep those tips that we said about having a group chat in the first place, and hopefully you should be able to find a good friend group. Yeah, also one more thing to add to that, actually. If you want to know who to DM, because you might think, okay, I want to DM somebody, but like I don't really know who, I don't know where to start, I'm following a lot of people, or something like that. Um, If you get any engagement on your tweets, pay attention to who engages with you regularly. Chances are that person is equally as interested in making friends with you um, as you are with them. So reach out to them, you know, let them know that, you know, you want to be friends. And I think that it would definitely work out. Yeah. Right. So next submission. (laughs) Okay, you you can read it. You're good. (laughs) So the next submission says, I feel that this is impossible, but I'm always busy with life, uh, with my life and with college and work. How does ARMY keep up with the boys and the fandom? I used to watch and consume everything, but now I'm just busy. I know it's okay that I miss out from the fandom because it's life. It's like I have to choose what I want to spend my free time, and I picked reading manga slash manhwa. It feels odd that I don't really know what's up with the boys since I used to be up to date for uh, up to two years ago. Um, I can honestly say that I don't know what the boys did in 2020, and it was the most successful period for them. Do some armies feel disassociated with the fandom and not... Oh, do some armies feel associated with the fandom and not really at the same time? I used to always feel together with the fandom and now I don't know really. I feel like I'm not deeply inside the bubble of the fandom, but I but now I just feel like I'm just in it for the music and the rest of the content is a bonus. And this is from the USA. Well, um for me, when it comes to keeping up with, um, you know, obviously my life outside of Twitter, yeah, there's going to be stuff that I miss out on because, you know, I'm busy and that's life. I have, you know, things to attend to. I know that when it came to um, my three-week intensive last month for class, um, 
there were a lot of choices I had to make. I had to realize, hey, you know, I understand that a lot goes on on Twitter and that can be entertaining, but I really have to sit down and put in this work. Um, so sometimes, yeah, you're, you are going to have to miss out on stuff. Um, you're going to have to save some videos for later. Um, you know, I know back during those three weeks, for example, like if a new run episode came out, I'm like, okay, let me save it for after I finished my work for the day. And then, you know, I have to catch up. Sometimes you might not even catch up on anything. In fact, I don't think I really watch every single thing that comes out. Sometimes I might just catch up with highlights on Twitter, for example, like all those like little interviews that they do here and there, like when yeah. they just release music i don't watch all of those i will watch the highlights on twitter sometimes because it's like obviously i have stuff to do and i'm not going to sit here like rooting through like hours of content on youtube when i can yeah. kind of like get the summarization of it on twitter you know you just have exactly. to pick and choose and and i also feel like it i mean i understand feeling that oh i don't know how to sort out this feeling of being disconnected but when you understand that there's actually so many armies that are just vibing, they probably don't even know much about all of BTS's variety shows. They discovered them through their music and they probably just listen to their music and don't really know about any of the Twitter that ha the Twitter drama that happens. They don't know much about um they probably don't have Weverse, they probably don't have Twitter, but they still love and support BTS and so at the end of the day, I would rather have someone be here for the music and not consume the content as much than someone who came for the content and then just craps on their music all the time. Agreed. In fact, there's a funny thing um, I just remembered um, where I, because for anyone who doesn't know, back in university when I was doing my undergraduate degree, you know, um, there were quite a few of my friends who were armies. Two of my closest friends actually are armies. Uh, they were baby armies when I knew them. Uh, one of them got into BTS because of me, etc., etc. And um, one of the other friends that I had that was also army, I think he was also into like, you know, girl groups as well, such as like Twice, etc. Um, we were walking in a town one day and we were in this uh store it was like because um for all who don't know i studied in the uk for my undergraduate degree so like you know those stores where it's like they just sell like a bunch of like american sweets and stuff like we were in one of those stores and um we don't talk anymore came up on the speakers and then i was like listening to it and i was like oh you know i haven't heard this song in a while and then you know that friend of mine he was like oh yeah but like it kind of sounds different i was like what do you mean he was like oh wasn't like he's like what about like the original one i was like what original one and like basically after talking to him for like a few minutes i realized that like he thought that we don't talk anymore was actually he thought that it was originally jimin and jungkook's song oh my goodness no way covered it that one time oh, and no. so he had no idea that it was from charlie Puth. this dude was just straight up vibing i was like you know what <laughs> you know what okay so i actually have a similar um experience with this a few months ago um so i was working i mean i'm still working at the balloon store that i work at it's just that my hours i shorten them so i can focus on my last semester of school currently but um basically my store actually plays bts songs a lot and one time make it right came on and you know how make it right it starts with just the instrumental before the vocals come in 
And so I was like, oh, cool, make it right. Um, but then the vocals came in, and I was like, this is not BTS. Who the hell plagiarized <laughs> BTS? Like, I was so mad. I was like, this is clearly a make it right ripoff. And then I heard BTS's vocals, and I realized it was the version featuring Love, which I only listened to, like, two times. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, who plagiarized BTS? It was BTS. They plagiarized themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, those types of stories, they're just funny. So yeah, that was a little tidbit for you guys. But yeah, when it comes to stuff like that, as long as you're enjoying the music and you know, you have a healthy uh, work balance and BTS life. I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with missing out on some content. You can always come back to it later, you know, when you have less responsibilities. And um, uh, yeah, there's no one correct way um, or one correct balance. I feel like everyone will have their own depending on like how much work they do and how many responsibilities they have. So just find what works for you and then you'll be good from there. So the next submission, they say, I fear the guys won't be able to form meaningful romantic relationships while still young. They should be able to date openly. And this is from Trinidad and Tobago. So um, when it comes to BTS and dating, none of us know whether they have any relationships because obviously like if they do, it's private and it's private for a reason. And um, yeah, definitely do agree that they should be able to date if they want to. However, when it comes to like dating openly, like. I don't want them to have to be forced to publicize their relationship because you know people like even though like a lot of armies mm -hmm. will be supportive and there's always going to be like that percentage of weird ass people who will be find finding a way to contact their significant other and yeah. sending weird messages or threats or something like that I don't want them to expose their romantic partners in that way I feel like if they want to date they should just do it privately um, and also when it comes to forming romantic relationships, um, we also don't know their sexual orientations. You know, a lot of people could say, oh, they could either be gay, straight, bisexual, whatever, but we don't even know if they want to be in a romantic or sexual relationship at all. Some of them could be aromantic, some of them could be asexual, we don't know. Um, so, you know, if they're not, um, you know, open or they're just not dating anybody in general. I don't think that's necessarily a warning bell per se, simply just because we don't know their orientation. We don't know what they prefer. So I wouldn't worry too much about it anyway. So, but I do agree that if they want to date, they should be able to date and form those relationships, but it should definitely be kept private for safety reasons. Yeah. Like if, if it's a different story if they're dating another celebrity whose life is also already like very scrutinized but you have to understand that when it comes to dating a non-celebrity that non-celebrity is always going to have the worst exposure um it's always going to be that person that's at a higher risk of stalking and harassment so um, and of course, not to like frame it as, oh, armies are definitely going to harass this person, but it's just, it's just a general thing that happens with every celebrity, non-celebrity relationship. So it's just something to be mindful of. And also if BTS don't want to enter a relationship right now, I don't really think it's our place to say, oh, they're missing out, they're, you know, they're wasting their youth and whatnot. Like, I think they're 
doing and living their life exactly how they want it right now. And I'm just going to trust that, you know, they're happy with where they're at. Also, you know, sometimes romance, you know, while romance is amazing and, you know, for anyone who wants it, I would definitely wish that they have like the full experience of it. It also isn't the be all to end all. So like kind of like what Delilah was saying, where, you know, even though they they may not be in a romantic relationship at this time, like it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not living the life that they want. Um, I, there are plenty of people who have like really good lives and, you know, aren't in a romantic relationship and it's not necessarily something that has to happen for girls life to be fulfilling for example i'm not dating anyone right now i've never really had like that series of relationship yes i like i kind of dated like one person kind of but like you know it's it's really not that big of a deal if you're not dating somebody so i wouldn't worry too much about it um but you know definitely if bts wants to date in the future they should go for it i feel like they should have the right to do so but you know privacy is always important for them so we're gonna move on to oh this is the last submission for this part and um this person says i know army twitter likes to make thirst tweets and nsfw jokes and i do find a lot of them pretty funny but when do you think these types of jokes cross the line and become overly objectifying and this is from the usa what do you think um this is a really good question because i feel like it's one of those things where you can't really give a concrete answer. It's just one of those things where it's like, you see it and you're like, uh. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I can't think of an example at the top of my head. But, um, it's just really hard to say. Because, of course, there are sometimes people cross the line and go too far. Like, for example, um, there, there was this one tweet a few weeks ago when, like, BTS had announced, um, their online fan meet and it was like pajama party themed and someone made like a really sexual tweet about it um and everyone was like why why are you sexualizing a zoom call with armies it's a pj party like calm down um right um i can't remember the exact context of it but it was definitely just a weird tweet and ill-timed so there's really just no concrete answer i feel like it's one of those things where you see it and then you have like um a certain reaction to it and there is a term in psychology i can't remember exactly what it's called but there is a term for when you just get this little feeling and it's impossible to describe why it makes you feel that way but there there's a term for it i just can't remember it right now yeah, when it comes to things like that, it is pretty difficult to figure out where a line should be crossed because the line is going to be different for everybody depending on um, what their opinions are on NSFW jokes. Although one thing I definitely will say crosses the line is when you make sexual jokes and like you try and shove it into BTS's face. That will always, I think, 100% upset any army because, you know, especially even for like NSFW like fan fiction or like fan art, you know, there are a lot of people who will go out of their way to block BTS to make sure that they're not looking at it. Um, so, you know, for people to go and make jokes that are overtly sexual, you know, whether they're grown men or not, I don't feel like you really need to be making sexual jokes in people's faces. Being an adult doesn't mean that like you are suddenly now like free range for like all types of sexual jokes. Um, that's something that I feel a lot of 
people, especially minors, you know, don't really understand that, like, the adult life is not all about, like, sex and all that. Sometimes I'm going to see a sexual joke made, whether at somebody else or at me, and I'm going to be like, that's gross, you know? Mm-hmm. It just, it just really, it really depends. And I know I've said that, like, ten times, and you're probably, like, Delilah, you're this girl's not, not answering adding, my question. You're, you're not answering my question. You're just saying the same thing, and it's because I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I think it is a really good question, um, and it is you know, it is okay to um, not be comfortable with some NSFW jokes, but at the same time, we don't want. It's a hard line. You don't want to portray. Uh, people as like these completely sexless um, adults um, as if they were like babies you know what I mean Uh, that like like that tweet we just saw in the group chat that is you know let me read it I'll read it this is an example this is an actual example of infantilization that people love to claim Um, but basically someone made a tweet the first tweet says um, that the Tannies used to imitate Halsey's I Want It from Boy With Love. And so now they're wondering, what if they start imitating Megan's, like, ah, sound from, like, you know, WAP and stuff? And this person replies, no, 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 my little Koo is pure and still a baby. He won't do that. I still need to feed him milk before going to bed. Nah. Oh my god, I just saw the ratio. 26 likes and 1,508 quote tweets. This person got flamed to hell and back and deserved. Deserved. So it's like, yeah, you don't want to portray them as these, you know, completely sexless beings, but you also don't want to portray them as mindless, overtly sexual beings, too. So it's really just a difficult line to cross and it just really depends on your own personal interpretation at the end of the day yes for more information about infantilization and over sexualization please see our uh one of which podcast episode was it was it uh, what uh was it before episode 20 or was it more recent yeah it, w- no, it, it was exactly episode 20 so episode 20 yes um we deep dive a little bit more into that yes um, but yeah, I think that pretty much concludes this part of Army Anonymous. So uh, the next time that we will be doing the part two, you guys will, um, I believe we're still on the general section. We have one more question in the general section and then we'll move on to the next section, which is shipping solos and mantis. So stay tuned for that. Yep. All right. We'll see you guys for part two. All right. Bye for now.